Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Solo, and welcome back to Rock and Roll. This week, back with me, a man who, despite doing this for over a year, still hasn't worked out how to send an email invite to fucking Zoom. <laughs> Ryan Wally, how you doing? All good, mate. You? Yeah, not too bad. And then this week, two guests with us. We're spoiled. So back again this week, a man whose arse has been talked about more than J-Lo and Kim Kardashian this week, and is still only the second most talked about arse in between us, but I can't go into the other one, obviously. And a man who's essentially me if I were tall, more handsome and decent at rugby. I'll round it's very only a fruit. How are you doing, Ian? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. So we got a full packed house of people tonight and just mad news. So should we dive straight in? Yep. Let's go for it. And this is the news. So the biggest news has got to be everything surrounding COVID and the European Cup. We can't start anywhere else. We were meant to record last week. We've had a nightmare time with everything going on, which means we didn't get the exciting build-up to the North Blues. We'll we'll fill it all in as one. We'll run into this week's game and this week's news because it's, it's all rugby's gone mental, so let's make the fucking podcast go nuts as well. Two Cardiff fans with us. How excited you before kickoff, please? Uh, I, I was I was pretty buzzing for the game. I thought that the uh, social media team and the players did a good job of of getting the excitement in, trying to pack out the cap. And uh, yeah, you've got Toby doing things like throwing Falco gifts up from the replacements. Um, if Jason Covey doesn't move into social media when he fully retires from the game, he, he's missing a chance. It's it superb. Yeah. And then when you look at the squad, like they finally released the squad, it it was like an old boys weekend. You've got first teamers, second teamers, lads that are way too old to be playing. 
lads that have never played at that standard. Yeah, and and then when you look at Toulouse's squad, you just think, well, they they're going to get humped, but it'll be funny. <laughs> I think you were just describing the podcast then when you said players <laughs> who are too old to play, players who are not good enough to be playing at the standard. <laughs> just <got> his <laughs> it did have fourth team vibes, didn't it, Cardiff? It's like a couple of old boys who really done it, really good players, a couple of young lads, a couple of randoms, someone's son has turned up. It just had that kind of fourth team vibe. All he needed was some bloke to turn up five minutes before kick up, have a kickoff, having a fag, drinking a pint. Yeah. And rather not realise that he hadn't taken his tracks and bottoms off. <laughs> that was Dan Fisher's role in the game, mate. <laughs> just, just throwing his roll up onto the side to try and take the first kickoff. That's why I it, I, I don't it. understand how Dan Fish can play without a gum shield in, chewing, chewing gum. It's fucking mental. <laughs> I thought I honestly thought your sentence was going to throw Dan Fish can play, and I thought we're, we're going in early. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we finished there. Straight in two footed. I mean, they were screwed over by European rugby saying, well, you know, everything's in place, and we understand that people are going through difficult times, and we're trying to work with them. And then if they're not, we're like, just fucking forfeit. Like, I, like that, that's not helpful. That, that's not, I don't, I know that, like, I, it was even madder for the Scarlets game because they've got no COVID cases as far as I know. Yet they've had to, they've had to forfeit and lose the game. I was going to say, is that the first time that's happened? But I'm guessing it happened last year with the Scarlets when, was it Toulouse or Toulon who turned Toulon, wasn't it? Turned up to play the Scarlets. And then decided not to bother. And then yeah. just fucked off back home because there'd been two cases and they weren't aware of that when they started travelling. Didn't they say they weren't happy with like all of the the, the stadium, the way that the stadium was being uh, like COVID secure and all that shit. And they were like, yeah, we're just going to go home now, guys. Bye. If they weren't happy with our stadium, they should see some of the other stadiums in there. Fucking hell. But, <laughs> as far as grounds go, Parker Scarlet's not a bad one. Um, it, it was great to see what you don't really get for me, these like romantic moments in rugby, they very rare. Like you get them all the time in football because of things like the FA Cup and the League Cup and you get these these teams thrown together, or you get like the Jimmy Glass story of him a goalkeeper scoring a goal on a final day of the season that they bought a fucking teletext. Like the, these really bizarre fucking random stories, and rugby hasn't really got it. So that this was really good as as that one story. Where like there was even a moment when we were like twenty minutes into that game where I thought, yeah, they, they could fucking do this. They could like. like I really got caught up in it all. And I know I spend a lot of time when you're taking a piss at the Cardiff and, and calling them the not blues and, you know, arguing with their fans on Twitter and whatever. But I fucking love it. I really got caught up. I've never wanted to watch them win so much in my life. As a fan, after about five minutes, and it was still nil, I thought they can keep this up for about 10 minutes because their line speed was unreal. Yeah. And all their plan was clearly... Let's get the ball on the park and just keep it on the park and tire them out. And I, for, I, I thought that'll last for about 10, 15 minutes and then they'll score a try and then they will just not stop scoring tries for the next 70 minutes. But no, it, it was unreal. You take DuPont out of that team and I, he was the only real difference between the two. I, I, I don't think Toulouse would have lost it but no. they would have won and it would have been something ridiculous like 14-7. And it would yeah. have been because they got two pushover tries in the corner or something. 
they they completely shit the bed, and it, not because of that, because Cardiff are under so much pressure, and obviously that pressure is then intensified because you're essentially playing a team scrabble around in the last minute. They got uh, we've all played fucking second team rugby and know exactly how it works. Where you're trying, oh yeah, my mate hasn't played for three years, but he used to play at Division Two level. He was a fullback then, but he's playing prop now. That kind of fucking mentality, <laughs> like that. That was the kind of way you went into it. I fair play. To Cardiff, whoever pulled that team together, I would have gone full madness. I would have called up fucking loads of players out from retirement and just gone. Yeah, same. I would, I would even, even the likes of like someone like going like Sam, don't have a game, like get Warby in, get fully saying. When someone joked in on Twitter this week about fully say, right? I genuinely thought to myself, can you imagine if fully say and Molotika and Nick Williams all came back? Because Molotika, you look, you look at Molotika now; he looks fitter than he did when he played. Like. Imagine that back row with him in there, like um, Nick Williams at, at, at eight as well, and like Ellis played at seven. Fuck off, Ollie Robinson. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> is this hell, is the way we treat an Ollie Robinson now, is it? Yeah. You've a great missed opportunity in all this, so don't you? You know, all Mark Ring is forever saying modern <laughs> rugby misses creativity like his. This was, this was your opportunity, Mark. Former Cardiff man. <laughs> but Gav, Gav, if you if you're gonna do that, we can kill. We can literally kill two birds with one stone. I put Lee Jarvis at ten as well. Oh fucking hell, no! Jarvis, <laughs> too, too far, mate. Too far. Jarvis, ring ten, twelve axis. I'm all over this. I'm loving it. Xavier rushed back would have worked. I mean, yeah. we've seen what yeah. he can do in kebab shops. Yeah, he's been in training, we, hasn't he? Yeah, we know that he can still hit. What more do you want from a guy? When they joked about Felice coming back, I, I, I. I was 80% convinced that it was going to actually happen. Yeah, I, I didn't realise it was a joke. I, <laughs> I didn't realise that that was a... If you do bring Nick Williams back as well, he's surely, he could change nationalities as well, couldn't he? Yeah. Isn't he of Samoan heritage? So, because, you know, Sonny Bill and, and Tim Nanai, so it's been more than three years. He, he could have come back, he could have had a game, could have had a run for Samoa. Mm-hmm. You say run, like... Well, yeah, he could have had, he could have had an a amble. run for some more. <laughs> he, he didn't run before, so he was <laughs> All right, you've got to come on the field and beat shit into someone for some more. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think it was you who was joking about that when any melee happened, you'd make yourself famous and stick one on a French player. Yeah. I feel like Nick Williams would have been the, the bloke that would have gone, fuck it, I'm only playing one game, have some of this. If if you know that this is probably the only game you're going to play for a region, fucking hit him. When mm. I when that started at the end, and I I would have liked to see more angles on the hit. I know I, I think I'm I'm on my own in, in thinking that it might not have been a red. It was it, to me it looked like his chest is what he hit when his head goes back. If he doesn't do damage to his ankle or his knee or whatever it was he did, I don't think they would have they would have looked at it particularly. I, to me it looked like a, a very good hit. But the two angles that you see it from, it does look like it's in. I would have just liked to see that third angle to see if he does connect with his head or not. It, it was too high. Yeah, it not, was high. You know, whether or not he's made contact with his head, it's far too high. And that is a, a bit of a problem, isn't it, currently, as we've seen with some of the games today as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's been a red card in the in the Wasps Munster game just before we come on for a, a high tackle in that one. Um, Ospreys didn't get a red card. Oh well, Osprey Sale didn't get a red card that Ospreys felt they should have had. Yeah, but that, that was a remarkable decision. Yeah. 
not quite as remarkable. Fuck it, let's just go all in. Not quite as remarkable as the uh, Leinster try that was allowed yesterday. Have we seen how the offload for James Lowe? Yeah, well, uh, when he bounces forward. He throws it forward. It's yeah. clearly a forward pass. The most forward of forward passes. He, he throws the offload on the halfway line and James Lowe catches it five metres out. <laughs> and they say, ah, we'll play on. Benefit of the doubt. <laughs> it might have come backwards out of their hands and been a really strong wind like they have in fucking Connor. Like it, it was bizarre. I don't know what the thinking was behind that decision. It was yeah. absolutely surreal. And if something bounces, the argument, oh, well, if it goes backwards and bounces forward, but surely then it's eventually it's going forward off hands anyway. Well, I, if that's the case as well, can you bounce it on a point and nobody goes? <laughs> <laughs> if you bounce, bounce it down onto the point and, and get it to go forward, is that allowed? Like, what, what's the, where does that stop? It seems like one of those things that they then go, ah, yeah, spirit of the game mm. and pretend that that's a rule. Like, and I, I'm not one of the people who like to stick the boot in the night, but like Nige tried to claim the other week when someone edited the ball and he's like, oh yeah, spirit of the game. Well, that's not a fucking law, is it? Well, what way does spirit of the game end? Sorry, boys, you scored six tries now, so I'm not going to give that last one, spirit of the game and everything. Because uh... Nige was proud to have never read the rule book, wasn't he? <laughs> Nige. I, I, I genuinely, like, at his peak, he was the best referee in the world, but sometimes he says something now and I think, come on, come on, Nige, wait. What are you doing here? You're fucking ruining your reputation, yeah, fella. Um, I I did think Beatham it was a red because it it was shoulder to head. But I mean, up to that point, considering it was his debut, that boy played out of his skin against. He played very well. And I know that this talk is of of Liam Williams coming in. We talked about that the other week. If he doesn't come in, and that's the option that Cardiff got a full back. I don't think they can complain too much about that. Oh. He looks excellent. You know? And Cabango on the wing as well. You know, he looks oh. absolutely lightning. He looked brilliant, but then you could see where the difference in being a professional player comes in because, and, and not just him, like players looked absolutely gassed as they hit the old mark. Mm. And frankly, they dug in and they say, if it wasn't for DuPont being fucking magic, like they wouldn't have scored half of the tries that they did. I, I I was really impressed. And Josh Adams played very well. I thought he was excellent. Ellis Jenkins just looks another level. Yeah, I said he, when he first came back that like, oh, I've never been like a massive fan as some people are. I think he's good, but I don't know if he's as good as people say. I take it all back, man. He, he, he looks world-class at the minute. I think as good as DuPont looked for Toulouse, he looked like that for Cardiff. Yeah. Like that... They were both head and shoulders above anyone else on that pitch all yeah. day long. And I think DuPont stands out a little bit more because obviously he's playing a scrum off, he's creating tries. Whereas, as I, I the, the, the one that got me was, oh. I think it was from a kickoff where he comes round essentially onto the Toulouse side and waits for the player to drop in his arms to hold him up. I, I, it was unbelievable. He was just waiting underneath him like a fucking fielder in cricket. Which, sorry, for, sorry for bringing cricket up, boys. I know you're both England fans, so I will move on quickly from that. But that was that was unbelievable to just to have the the thought. You think, well, I'm not going to wait to make the hit. I'm going to go round and, and hold him up. It was it was brilliant. He's not just got the skills. He's got like the rugby IQ to go back, like to back that up, so that he yeah. knows that if he can get round and hold him up, that they're not doing anything. That that's going to be a turnover. It's unreal. He's a modern rugby player incarnate, essentially, isn't he, Jenkins? Like you say, he's got a physicality, he's got speed, he's got the brain, he's got the technical ability. He really is just something else. 
I, yeah. Someone said yesterday about he's come back and he's he's in the same form as before he was injured. I think he's come back better. He is I better. Honestly, think he's yeah. come back looking fitter, sharper, and like he wants to. He, I I'm blown away by him. Fair, fair play to Alice. Uh, he silenced me, and he's not. He's got less time to do TikToks and principality adverts now as well. Which is <laughs> just just to reference something we're going to be talking about later on. I'm just going to put it in there. Number 19, by the way. Number 19. Ellis Jenkins, number 19. 19, <laughs> Ellis Jenkins. All right, all right. We'll, we'll come to that in a bit. Yeah. I know you're fucking seething because you sent me text messages through the week. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you, you, you know, after it did kick off after the red card, what, what did it kick off about? Did anyone see? Absolutely no idea. No idea at all. I think someone did say there was a, a kind of off feet while he was injured or something. Was it someone hit the ruck as there was a player, play, player clearly up? But then... Yeah, because it's still open play until the whistle goes. It's not yeah. an head injury. It's not a break or anything. Of course, someone hit the ruck. I mean, so, not, I that, not that Dickinson cared about head injuries. I mean, Tovey went down for about three minutes and he just let it play on, didn't he? That was a bad one. I mean, he, he got run through a couple of times, did Tovey. There was a few where he got... But that one was like, he got folded in half. Yeah. <laughs> it was he literally his, his ankles come up behind his head and he was like, shit, like that's a that's a bad one. I've not seen anybody go down like that since they run at Xavier Russian kebab shop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And I thought he was a bit harsh on Cardiff in the first half. I know he, he potentially could have seen been the proper bit earlier. This is the one as well, right? That got me as a front row player. There was a scrum uh in a first half where Toulouse were clearly dominant and pushing Cardiff back. Ball pops out and he gives a penalty. And the commentator said, he's got no choice but to give the penalty there. And I thought, yeah, he has, because no one's actually infringed there. They were just dominant. Being weak at a scrum isn't a penalty. Like Nobody popped up, nobody bored in, nobody collapsed. They've just kept going backwards. That's not a penalty. That does often end in a penalty. There's no law that suggests it should. But they'll often do that, you know, and I, I never quite Spirit get that. <laughs> Anything you can't explain, Spirit of the Game. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Wales have been living on retreating penalties and Talupe Falatau just being incredible and pulling the ball out for 10 years. Well, speaking of retreating scrums and, and Falatau saving them, Gav, you're a Dragons fan. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel with the build-up and then the actual game yourself? Well, it was it was dragons, wasn't it? It was it was everything you expect from the dragons for twenty minutes in the game. Then they end up with thirteen players, and by the end, you're thinking, "Are we even within twenty points?" It, it's it's dragons all the time, and you know, and Dean Ryan is now starting to look increasingly upset with the job he has. Yeah, you know, he he is giving off the vibe of the head of geography in a failing school when none of the kids are taking geography anymore. <laughs> and he is just really, really not happy. It, and, you know, his map has still got countries that don't exist on it, and he's just not happy anymore. And that's what he's like with the Dragons, because he knows he hasn't got the resources to compete. And Because I was looking at the squad, and I'm thinking, oh, that looks all right. Keddie's a great player. Basham, Wayne Wright, great back row. And then you see Tavis Noyle playing at nine, and you think, oh, yeah, OK. That's where it's going then. And that's the issue, isn't it? You know, they just do not have the resources to compete with clubs like Perpignan or anyone, if I'm brutally honest. I love our geography. Quote, that's brilliant. <laughs> Dean Ryan said, I've had enough, but don't worry. If you'd say I'm as interested in taking me on as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
With the dragons, though, if you put the fully fit first 15, 23, they should be able to compete with almost yeah. anyone. Yeah, I agree. And, and then it's just outside that. As soon as you take one or two players out, it just looks so fragile. Yeah. They, it's never, they can never back up what they've done. Like They'll do really well a week, and then the week after, it just falls apart. And that's perpetually the issue with the Dragons. I mean, like some absolutely fantastic players. And I fair play, you've talked for a bit there, Gavin. I mentioned Jonah Holmes yet, so I'm, I'm quite proud of you. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you you put out that 15, like I said, but then the depth isn't quite there, and that's perpetually been the Dragons' issue. And that's, and that's the challenge. You know, that, that is the challenge, that if there's an injury... Then, like uh, like Ian said, you know, if Bertrand's not there, that's come off. You've really got a problem. And in words that I never imagined, I'd say, if Sam Davis isn't there, you've got a problem. And I'm, I've never been a fan of Sam Davis. Uh, and it's our strength in depth. And you will pick up injuries, but I don't think that's just a Dragons problem. You know, it's an Ospreys problem as well. You know, Jack Morgan wasn't playing today, and they looked weaker as a result of that. You know, I, I don't think the Welsh teams are really competing at that level, are they? No, in a word, no. And I mean, obviously, you've got the massive difference in playing budgets between the French clubs and the Welsh clubs, which is always going to pose issues. And we've got the same problem with the Irish clubs and, I suppose, the English clubs. Um, or oh, don't suggest the Irish clubs are better funded. Uh, you'll, cause, <laughs> you'll, yeah. <laughs> you'll cause mayhem. Uh, they are obviously, but uh, oh, it's affinity and uh, and all that jazz. That's why the Irish are better. Of course, yes. That's, that's the name of the podcast this week: Infinity and all that jazz. That's, that's, that's <laughs> affinity. I'm right now done. <laughs> um, obviously, funding only gets you so far. Even if you occasionally fiddle it as well, though, because Saracens lost to Edinburgh. That was quite nice to watch. Such a shame, mate. <laughs> Such a shame. I, despite the fact that they, you know, they seem to be getting their, their house in order and they, they seem to be not trying to cheat anymore, you still can't take them and like them. It's still impossible to actually like Saracens. Yeah. Uh, reasonably priced beers that they ground on, <laughs> as I discovered recently. So, you know, it's. Uh... That is a huge positive, though, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, I don't even know like you can't put it down to the fact that oh well you know Saracen's that mentality and they're all a bit posh and, and rugged type because they lost to Edinburgh and we're celebrating so you know they're not exactly the most working class team when it comes to rugby either I, I don't know what it is about Saracen's that make them so hateable but it, it, it's fun I enjoy it I love and obviously Tompkins I think is the only Welshman left in. oh and Al, 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 Al Davis and the Vodapola brothers. Yeah. 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 No, Marco's they've, they've still got the best Welsh accent. I, I, I've forgotten his name. Oh, Ethan Davis. Ethan, the hooker from Carapoos. He's there, isn't he? Uh, Ethan uh, Lewis. Ethan Lewis. Isn't he there? Is he, he there full time? He was yeah, sure He was on the bench yesterday, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, the Vodapola's Red Reveal boys. Yeah. Say, they're never like being reminded of. But uh... well, I, Marco's got the strongest Welsh accent that I've ever heard. It's stronger than the majority of the Welsh squad. Yeah. <laughs> it's stronger than mine. Stronger than Sarah <laughs> Elgin. All right, now, easy. 
<laughs> Let's not get too carried away. Well, we know I can't do a Welsh accent. Anyone who watched the Dodmaster thing, when I, nope. when, I, when I try and do a Welsh accent, and I never once in my head did I think just talking of, just <laughs> just saying normally, you've got a Welsh accent. Um, well, I'm convinced I don't have one. I'm, I'm all I've, you know. I've been in England twenty odd years, so I don't have a Welsh accent. You've you've got quite a strong Welsh accent. I was I was surprised the first time I spoke to. How strong your Welsh accent is, because you said I've I've been here two decades. Wally was here twenty minutes, and he came back sounding like Smithy. From <laughs> no, I, I I always live by that. We got, like I said, this was the before like the story before on a pod. I went back for a night out. I, I moved up on the Sunday. I went back for a night out on the Saturday. It was pre-planned months in advance. And my, one of my mates said, "You sound Cockney." I, fuck, I was away six days. The fuck was... <laughs> and you don't even live in the East End of London. Exactly. No, no. Just my sister only... once accused me of sounding like Prince William, so you know it's. Uh... <laughs> Wally just watched back-to-back only fools and horses on UK Gold. <laughs> <laughs> I lived I lived in Newcastle for nine years and ended up with a, a weird Geordie twang. That unless I ring my mum and dad, and then I become very Welsh all of a sudden. Well, I occasionally drop into Geordie now, living with them. Occasionally, I'll uh, I'll just throw a random Geordie word in it. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I'll just come up with something really Geordie, and then the kids will look at me like, "What was that accent?" And she she had a Welsh accent before she even moved down. So, <laughs> um, we briefly mentioned the Ospreys earlier. I mean, Matt Prother had a great game, and then other than that, there wasn't a hell of a lot to write home about. It, it, have you have you seen what Brother has just put on Twitter? No, uh, Sail Sharks. Did Ospreys make a show after Matt Prothero dives after contact to try and win a penalty? And Prothero has quote tweeted that and said, good story that, with a clown face. <laughs> I mean, it was it was contact, and it was definitely enough contact to take him over. I don't think it was a penalty. I, I think it was just, just a contact. But to suggest that he somehow dived is, is bollocks. <laughs> in a word, is, it, is it still Dimes' son doing sail sharks? I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I that, forgot that, that. that would explain it, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming after Sam Cross has had his uh, one good game of every 18 months, he'll be back in the Welsh squad now. <laughs> That's the way it usually works with Sam Cross one good game in the Welsh squad, then disappears again for three years. <laughs> Going to open some Aldis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. Um, the controversial one a few months back of Pivak leaving out Reese Webb. That's been put he, to bed. I think he's got that call right because I don't think Webb's. <laughs> he had two great games after he got dropped where he had looked kind of half assed and half interested before he didn't get the call. Then he didn't get the call and went, fuck this, I'll show you. I had two brilliant games and then went, man, I'll do. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I've got I've got tanning beds to get on now. I'm not in the south of France. I've got I'm trying to source myself a bottle of fucking Saint Tropez. Like I, he's not been anywhere near the resweb of old. No, he's he's a luxury player. Not that you have those in rugby in the same way you do in soccer, but he is a luxury player. He's a kind yeah. of player that if the team's on top, Reeswebe will do wonderful things. If it's a dog fight, you're you're wasting your time. And in fact, when when Morgan Williams came off the bench. I thought the Ospreys looked a lot better. They looked a lot of, there's more intent. They created some of their better chances after Webb had gone off. Yeah, he's, he, yeah, he's, he's a hard player to 
to defend anymore. I agreed. Unless I you're on a rugby field trying to defend against him, I guess, because it's quite easy <laughs> to defend. <laughs> Um, I, we'll move into something I've got absolutely no fucking understanding of, no matter how much I try and understand <coughs> why. Uh, World Rugby is moving into NFTs. I, I don't really understand the point of them. I'm very much on Keanu Reeves's level of uh, pissing myself laughing at the concept. D- d- does anyone anyone want to put a positive spin on uh, NFTs or World Rugby getting involved in them? I'm too old to understand that kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I really understand Instagram, if I'm honest. I, I vaguely understand the concept, but then, you know, it's, it just seems a bit weird. It's Emperor's New Clothes, isn't it? Yeah. You want to pay 10 grand for this uh, virtual picture? No, no, I don't. Do you want to pay 10 grand for this virtual picture that you will own, but then so will everyone else? But not this one, because this one's stamped and serial numbered yeah. digitally. What? No. <laughs> It's Pokemon cards for billionaires, isn't it? You know, that's the problem. Yes, but man. at least some Pokemon cards are rare. You can just <laughs> copy these to your heart's content. Like you could do it's like buying the original Mona Lisa, but everyone's also got a picture of the Mona Lisa. Exactly the same or identical, but yours has got a fucking barcode on the back. Like that's that, that's my understanding of it. I, I don't really it this yeah, it, like having a wife that everyone else dates and sleeps with, but you've got a marriage certificate. Like, it, it, it doesn't fucking mean anything. Like it. It, Yeah, it's bollocks. The only positive I can put on it is it reminded me of the existence of David Pocock because he and countless other rugby stars wrote a letter kicking off about it because of the amount of energy they use. Yeah, and, you know, the IOB... Oh, no, 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 even called the IRB again from my age. <laughs> <laughs> As the IRB said on my <laughs> World rugby, sorry, Jesus. Uh, well, no, I'm going to suggest there are other things World rugby could possibly be focusing on more than NFTs. Again, you know, like making sure people in tier two and tier three nations are getting a fair crack, fair crack of the whip. And that the yeah. professional game is actually a professional game. But then, you know, what do I know? Promoting the women's game a little bit more, maybe giving yeah. it a little yeah. bit more funding, a bit more structure, trying to yeah. trying to boost that a little bit. Yeah. 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 No. We can... need, need that Joey and Phoebe meme, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I've already got into trouble because of that, that meme. We, we, can't, uh, <laughs> we can't get him in trouble again. <laughs> also, if they're getting involved in it, I'm assuming they're not buying these. They're going to be so. What are they? they well, they're selling the original them. image of Nelson Mandela and, and Francois Pino. Like, what? What, yeah. what? How were they getting involved in it? This is what I also can't wrap my head around. I assume it's the pictures that World Rugby own. They're going to sell as NFTs. But yeah. I mean, I can just go on Google and copy and paste them yeah. into my folder. Uh-huh. That, that's where NFTs make zero sense to me. It's the copyright holders that sell it. Now, a friend of mine who uh, I play rugby with, but he's an artist, and he's just won an art prize in Miami. And his one of the paintings that won the prize has been put up as an NFT, and there's an auction on it. And I was saying to him, I said, but surely, mate, you know, that picture's out there. I can get caught. And he said, yeah, but this is like a one-off digital version. <laughs> I, I, I'm at the loss because it'd be different if it was the actual painting. You know that painting. Yeah. I found, you know, he's a and you can hang it on your wall and you own it, and no one else owns it. Yeah, I, 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 I just don't, I don't get it. It would pay 
you pay a million pounds for a picture of someone sticking their finger in Gary Jenkins's fucking eye. <laughs> the one that everyone's used at some point in life. But you loan the original one. Except it's not really, but it is. Fucking pile of shit. Um, can you sue, technically, can you sue anyone that uses it for using that picture if you own the NFT? I think it depends on, on your copywriting. Because you my understanding as well... Copyright. You just own the NFT. You don't own the copyright. Yeah. My understanding of it. That's well, now understand. I understand less. Yeah. <laughs> and generally, am I right in saying this? There's not just one. It's not just one person buys an NFT. They'll do like a limited edition of, say, 10. Yeah, it's like a print. So you buy 10 like of a... that one image that exists that everyone's got access to, but yours has got a, a, a digital bar, a digital serial number on it. it I, I can't get my head around it. It's I like if you it. buy a print of a picture. It's that kind of thing, I think, where it'll be signed on the back by the artist 61 of, four, of 400 or whatever. And I think that's what our NFTs work. But again, like I say, far too old. Don't even understand Instagram. But that is my understanding of when I read her up. So we'll all agree then, it's a pile of shit. Yeah. Excellent, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> possibly a pile of shit. Ian, not Ian McGeekin, he's a nice guy. But suggesting that the Springboks should join the Six Nations, could join the Six Nations. I think they're tied to the Rugby Championship for another like five years, six years anyway, didn't they? Didn't they sign a deal to like 2027 or something like that? Has he not remembered about what just happened with the URC as well? Like, which could happen if the pandemics and stuff carry on with... In but, I mean, to that could happen with France and could happen with Italy yeah, and could no, happen exactly, with South like, Africa going to New Zealand or, or South Africa and New Zealand going to Australia and then saying, oh, shit, we better invite Argentina as well, but not to the photo shoot. We'll all just rock up at the beach and pretend like, oh, shit, no. It was just a coincidence that we all happened to be here on the same day. Sorry about that. Like, that could happen... Anyway, that we've got to try and that's the, the danger of an international competition, essentially, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's 10 years, so they're there until 2030. There we go. So that, that can't really happen anyway, unless there's, there's major things around COVID where these contracts get torn up because it physically can't happen. It's, yeah, it's not going to happen for a long time yet. I, I also think there's a fairly major thing in all of this. I reckon South Africa probably wouldn't want to as well. Well, Twitter seemed to be quite split, which is rare because South Africa and Twitter has come together quite a lot this summer, but they've been quite split on whether they wanted to join or not. And some people say, yeah, it's great, let's get out of this. Essentially, they're not happy with the, the rugby championship. And then other people say, fuck them after the way they treated us doing the Lions. I mean, South Africa and Twitter is a very strange place at the moment. So... Perhaps that's not the best place to judge. I mean, South African rugby is a strange place at the moment. Uh, Razi putting up pictures of his dog this week, which I'm guessing he put his pint down to pick up to take a photo because every other time I've seen him, he's drinking a fucking Guinness. Like, or posting that picture of him putting a bottle of red wine in the World Cup, which <laughs> completely was out of context. I don't understand why he had to do it. Put a picture of him and his, his mate up in getting in the jacuzzi as well, didn't he? He's... Someone needs to take his phone off him, basically. <laughs> yeah, was, wasn't, that, wasn't that Gianni De... Um, Gianni De Beer? No, what's his name? I don't know. The, the, I forget his surname. The guy, that the, the South African rugby player plays in South Africa now who's just lost his son. Oh, right. It was, that, was, that was Gianni, wasn't it? He was in the swimming pool with Gianni. Or a hot tub with Gianni. I, I don't know. Um, I, I haven't seen that picture. I thought perhaps he was just promoting uh, Razi's new OnlyFans. Like, it was... <laughs> 
one of his preview pictures with the way that he said it. Um, I, I missed that one. I just, it's all very bizarre with Razzie at the minute. I'll be up as an NFT, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> all, all NFTs will be owned by, by Razzie as well, probably. For just a hundred thousand rand, you could own a picture of Razi and his speedos in a hot tub, oh. <laughs> drinking a Guinness and holding a dog. <laughs> he's he's not faster clerking his uh, bud, budgies, is he? Well, I'm, I'm trying not to think about that picture. Oh. <laughs> Covered in yellow circles, probably as well. I I'm good. I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> 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 if it were possible, which I don't see how it is, would we want the Springboks in the Six Nations? Wally's pulling a face. Come on, Wall. Hit, hit us up. What, what are you thinking? Nah. They're um, they, they, their place is not in it. Like the, it's, if, if, we're going to, if we're going to increase the numbers in the Six Nations, it needs to be the likes of Georgia. Um, I think to like promote that, I don't think I don't even think it needs to change. Leave it as a Six Nations, but I think if you're gonna if you're gonna add teams to it, it needs to be something similar to what was done with Italy in like 2000 to promote that level of game um, and bring other teams into it. I don't necessarily think bringing South Africa in so South Africa can, can try and potentially win it every year is gonna benefit the tournament as a whole. I I wouldn't even have Italy in there personally, but uh, you know, kind of bringing South Africa in, pointless. Bringing Georgia in. 70 degrees more pointless. In the, South, and the great thing about Six Nations is you can go to those games. You know, some are more expensive than others, but you can get a flight to Rome and you can do it relatively cheaply. You can get to Paris, you can get to Edinburgh, you can get to Dublin, all, you know, and you can do it relatively cheaply. Ryanair, you're not getting to Cape Town cheaply, are you? No. you know? I think you'll find you can get to South Africa quite easily as all the teams found out it's getting back that's the issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can fly to South Africa, just don't make plans for the next three weeks just in case. <laughs> I've got a wedding on Saturday, but unfortunately I'm stuck in South Africa, so Dan Fish is going to have to go in my place. <laughs> just stood there chewing gum. <laughs> Slowly moving round the buffet. <laughs> Very slowly. <laughs> um, I, 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 I don't see how it helps anyone bringing South Africa into the Six Nations. I think it weakens the Southern Hemisphere because they're not playing against South Africa. Like I always think of South Africa as like they're the they're the joiner between South Southern Hemisphere and Northern Hemisphere because they play a, a brand of rugby that's somewhere in between both. And if you bring them into the Northern Hemisphere, I feel like they'll just end up playing more Northern Hemisphere rugby. And it, sort of geographically, they kind of fit that as well. They? Although they, they're very much in the Southern Hemisphere, like because of the, the geography on a map in date or out of date. <laughs> Obviously, like they, they're sort of closer to Europe. So this kind of bridges that. I think that's, that becomes a knockoff. I, I quite like to see them in there, I think. I mean, it makes it more difficult, much more difficult for Wales, but it makes it for a more interesting competition if you've got essentially like another quality team. I think it would have to be at the expense of a team because there's no way of adding an extra fixture in there. And the only team that can go then in our case is Italy, really. Yeah. So, I mean, and then it says the knock on effect that as we by the rugby championship, what happens to that? Like, we'll do well, it. I, unless we drops. Some over in Fiji in there, like what, what what goes on with that? I'm going to throw a curveball in now that's going to make the Six Nations less stressful for us. 
South Africa come in, England joins the rugby championship. <laughs> we don't have the stress of an England Wales game every year. I'm happy with it. But then who will John Inverdale talk about? Still in Incessantly. Yeah, they'll still have a half the half time where they just talk about the last England game for six months ago. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> so S4C have retained the rights to all the Six Nations games. Yeah. With or without South Africa involved in them. Um that's a, a, a good thing. I'm happy with that. I, I don't think there's much more that needs to be said about that. I don't know what the Welsh coverage was like on Amazon. I'll be honest, I didn't watch any of the, the Welsh commentary because it's, it's not my first language. I struggle with Welsh. I struggle with English, but I struggle with Welsh. Um, I'm trying to be Welsh. But yeah, and speaking with the Welsh accent when I'm not just talking. Um, but yeah, it's good to, to see we've got that sorted because every couple of years it seems to raise its head about where the coverage is going to go and where, what it's going to be on. And then will that coverage have Welsh commentary or will they offer out less for C? So at least it um, knocks that on the fucking head. Uh-huh. Um, we'll move on a bit to awards because that's going to go on for, for quite a while to, to finish us off, I think. So we'll finish uh, the news on a very sad story where obviously the news came out this week that even Phillips had, has had a, a motorcycle accident that's essentially changed his life as a life-changing injuries. Um, it is... Terrible to you, a player who's it, it, on brilliant form and sort of knocking on the door for the last couple of years, a, a potential call-up and, and playing for Wales. It's really sad. Obviously, thoughts and all our support go out to, to even and his family because it, it's not something that you want, want to hear uh, for any player, really, but especially not someone at that level doing it the way he was. It, it's just really tragic. Um. And unless there's any other news from anyone else, I I, I don't think we included in news. But I'm gonna do a quick leap across and do um, if anyone's thinking of watching the new uh, Sex in the City, I wouldn't bother with that. <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious at points that it's not meant to be. I won't go into any spoilers or anything, but there was a moment I took the piss out of something. And within five seconds of seeing it, it happened on the screen. And they've obviously read all the reports of people saying, well, this is all just white, middle-aged women who are all, like, cisgendered and things. And they've gone completely over the top to try and counteract that by mentioning everyone's race and gender and sexuality at every fucking given opportunity and introduce new characters that are not just white cis women fucking moaning about stuff. It is absolutely horrific. I can't wait for the next episode to come out because I'm watching this whole series now because it is that bad. I laughed until I cried last night. People were saying they cried at the at the scene in it. So did I, but for completely different fucking reasons. I would recommend everyone <laughs> watching it. It's going to win you brownie points, right? If you sit down with your partner who enjoys it, it's going to win you brownie points and you will laugh until you fucking cry at it. So that's, that's, that's my last bit of news. So... World Rugby, or as Gav likes to call them, the IRB, have had the uh, award ceremony for 2021. Shall we go through the awards one by one? We'll go through. Um, I'll quickly touch on the, the Women's Player of the Year. I'm not going to really go too far into to Women's Player of the Year because 
my knowledge isn't good enough and I'm not going to be fucking demeaning by talking about it when I don't have the knowledge base to do it and I'm not going to talk about sevens because I don't have the knowledge base because I think it's shit. I'm a big fan of women's rugby. I just don't get a chance to watch as often. Sevens is a choice to not watch it because I don't fucking get it. So Zoe Allcroft was uh, named Women's Player of the Year. Well, you probably know a bit more about women's rugby than I do. You've, uh, you watch a bit more than I do. Is it a, a good choice? Are we happy with that decision? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not happy that it's not Jazz Joyce, but that's just because I watch clips on Twitter a lot and I, I, I watch her on the news and any given opportunity I get to see her. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a correct choice. Of the shortness they had, it's the right one to win it. Um, she's had a decent year. I think it was today. I saw a tweet. I don't know if it was from today. I came today or yesterday, but she start, She had a, she scored a great try herself today. Um, and again, she played, I think, for Hartbury, where she's made a break from the 22 herself. And it's a bit like, remember that try 2005 for Ryan Jones at Edinburgh? Where he's made a bust from the, from the 22, yeah. and then in the end, he finishes the try himself in the corner. Yeah, it was very similar to that. Um, but yeah, for the thoroughly deserved. Um, there wasn't massive standout characters, I don't think, for me for this year for, to win that award. Um, there was a few people obviously that had decent years, but not necessarily as had to be an English player, though, didn't they? Yeah. No, they are just that's that's the thing. Player. Yeah. The, the, the only thing I would say about, about it is I'm very surprised that. Um, it wasn't Poppy Cleal. I personally think Poppy Cleal is a better player than Zoe Elcroft, yeah. but either one, it's a 50-50. You can, you can obviously choose between the two. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's a decent scene. It's been a successful year, to be fair. Like the, the fact as well, they recently made the announcement that all the games are going to be made um, visible on iPlayer Yeah. Um, for that tournament as well, so you can access any of the games you want to. Um, it's, really, it's fantastic, to be fair. So yeah. Everything's in a positive way, especially at Welsh Rugby with Nigel Walker and stuff, and everything he's done for the girls. Contract coming in, um, I think it's a positive place for women's rugby at the minute. I'll still have my little my little moan that they're not putting the games on normal telly, standard telly. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can find enough room in the in their schedule to fit the men's game in here. There's absolutely yeah. no reason why they can't do the same on a Saturday. They used to put grandstand on for about fucking eight hours on a Saturday and show yeah. table tennis and rowing and archery and shit. And I, I don't get me wrong, I used to love it. But if they could find it, like you can find the time to put things on. I don't need to watch another episode of Bargain and it's already been on 12 times. You can fucking show yeah. a couple of women's game on normal telly because that's my big thing is like people, I, people will stumble across games. And I think once you put on the iPlayer, it makes it a little bit more difficult to just stumble across a game. It's cost though. That's why it's not on. Knocking out a repeat of Bargain and cost the BBC very little. Yeah. Whereas live broadcast costs money. And, and I'm old enough to remember World of Sports showing ploughing matches on a Saturday afternoon. So, you know. Um... <laughs> I hope that's a farming thing. So, we'll move over into the. 70s, though, you know, standards were different. <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch touring cars every Saturday. That's, mm. that's the one. No, well, I think it's on ITV4 now. I can remember playing two year, touring car game on the PlayStation 1. Yes, Tocca. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. And then the second one had a story mode, which was superb. You could go and race in America and Australia and shit as well. Um, that's the most exciting I've got so far. It's my best. Um, <laughs> men's rugby, uh, world player of the year was Antoine Dupont. Obvious. They can be, you know, in a year as well, we. I'm struggling to find 
we said about the thing. I was struggling to find like real standout players who perform fantastically for the the whole year. Mm-hmm. I it's got to be Dupont. He is the best player in the world. Because if if you he was the best one on that list. I don't yeah. think necessarily he was the best player in the world last year. Oof. That's a bold shot. Who do you think was better, Gav? Jonah uh, um, Holmes. Yeah, <laughs> um, always Jonah Holmes, but look on your arm, really. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great shot, actually. That's a great shot. Because I, I was very pissed off. Um, we will go through the team of the year as well. There's a, a few in there that I was a bit... Are they are they the best in that position? And um, you know what's going to come, because Inside Centre is going to be one of my mentions as well. But yeah, Arm's been... Superb. He's been absolutely excellent. The, the partnership that him and DLN they've got in the centre is the best partnership in world rugby at the moment, without the yeah. doubt, I think, in, in centre partnership. Possibly a partnership anywhere in the park. But they, I love watching them play around. It's, it's absolutely superb. Um, and then it gives South Africa something else to complain about. <laughs> if they needed something to kick off about, they have one world player of the year this year, so there's another one that's clearly a fix. Um Anyone else really that we think as a standout is that not not for me particularly? Not not consistently. No, no I agree. Um, well, your opportunity. I imagine you've uh, you've been sat in a darkened room thinking about this one for a while. So breakthrough Player of the Year, Will Jordan. Um, no, I am actually, but um, yes, obviously, I think it's, I think it was. When you look at the rest of the list, like don't get me wrong, people have had a decent year, but you're not going to look at somebody like um, LRZ, for example, and think, "Oh, he's been made a better year than Will Jordan." Um, <clears throat> any of the other players on the on that list as well have had fantastic years, but as the breakthrough player, it has to be him. Yeah, as, as much as I agree with you on things, I guess. Um, I, I've got regard. He's he's had an exceptional year. Not just like he's an exciting player to watch as well. So as the game comes back round to perhaps being a bit more exciting again, I think I, we talked about this like when we uh, one of the early podcasts or over a year ago, and I was saying like rugby's always cyclical and we'll come back to playing an exciting rug open game again soon. Like that's the way rugby's going to go. We've had the the shunt and grind and the the rolling moles and the fucking kicks and everything. Soon, the game's going to open back up and be expansive again. And Will Jordan was ahead of that curve. And it's absolutely showing now. And, and he looks super. I mean, what a year he's had. See, he looked good in Arturoa and then he, he's stepped up to international level and just is scoring tries for fucking fun. So you can't fault him as a, as a back three player for, for what he does. So, yeah, I hate the... the I, Again, I don't think there's anyone that we can change that for. Not really. I um, mean, it is easy if you're playing for the Crusaders and the All Blacks. Well, this was always my thing with uh, like Carter, when Carter was playing in that unbelievable All Blacks team that looked like they should have beaten everyone anyway. But you go, it's got a bit of an easy way. Like, it's easier to try these things and pull these things off when everyone else knows exactly what they're fucking doing and they're better than anyone else on the planet are doing it. It's, I've never played 10, which I don't think will come as a surprise to anyone, but <laughs> I've got to imagine it's easier playing 10 when 14 people around you are fucking brilliant. Well, the thing is, though, right, and I'm going to use, again, I think Wally's right in terms of Will Jordan. 
And it's easy to say, oh, playing in that Crusaders team and playing in All Blacks. But let me exhibit a Zach Guildford. Mm. <laughs> you know, looked look solid in the Crusaders team. Looked really good, but, you know, really wasn't that good, was he? You know, Zach Guildford. Will Jordan is a cut above everyone else. Does look like somebody who can just cut the fences apart at will, irrespective of who he's playing, be it South Africa or be it someone in uh, Super Rugby. You know, he is a quality player. Like you, you still do have to do it. Like you can say, Dan Carr, it was easy to do it because he's surrounded by them players. But then there oh, are I'm... five other incredible fly halves behind him. Same with Will Jordan. Like I, I, I say, I, I say it's easy for him, but it, it's not easy. But I don't know. It's a toss-up, isn't it? I mean, if you're an elite Lewis Rees-Alex playing for Wales and yeah, gone. If you're an elite athlete, you have to be an elite athlete all the time, don't you? You know, there's. Uh... There's no easy get-outs for it, and he is an elite athlete, and the same with the Carter was. And you can have the odd bad game, but they don't have that many bad games, do they? Those kind of players at that level. Well, Carter was very much as well that same kind of, of Wilkinson mould, where it almost became like like a machine. They, they, mm-hmm. they did things and like to the point where their personality off the pitch was the same as well, where it's just that like everything is so set out to just being like it's, Carter's whole life was built on just him being the perfect outside half. Like yeah. I mean, once Carter retired, well, before he retired, even when he went to Racing, I feel like he started to step away from that and just started enjoying his, his wine and stuff. Whereas <laughs> I, Wilkinson's, I, I actually feel a bit sorry for Wilkinson. I feel like he's a bit of a tortured soul. Yeah, I agree completely. And every time you hear him do an interview or you, you see documentaries with him in and everything, it, it mentally like it's like he's always switched on to that more than he can't he, there's no escape on that from he's quite an awkward character, Wilkinson, isn't he? He never yeah. feel, feels natural in front of a camera. No. Dan Bigger's similar as well. Dan Bigger, whenever I see him being interviewed, I think it go, mate, you're hating that, aren't you? I mean, you know as well with Johnny Wilkinson, it's something deeper and more tortured because he seems to willingly spend time with Clive Woodward. Yeah. <laughs> I, I there's not many other people willing to do that, so I think that, that's a red flag already for him. Um, World Coach of the Year has gone to Simon Middleton. Yeah. Obviously, as we said, England women have blown everyone away. I, I mean, I'd argue as well that there's, there's other reasons for that beyond just the coach. Oh, yeah. You know, financially, they're a bit better set up than everybody else, which gives them the uh, the edge on everyone. They're elite athletes in a sport yeah. where they're the only elite athletes. Yeah. You know, there, there's some professional athletes, but no elite athletes, and the rest are semi-professional and amateur. Of course, they're worst team roller in everyone. Yeah. Because it's not a level playing field. Exactly that. Um, I think it speaks volumes for how poor a year perhaps it's been for quality coaches as well. We've got... Dave Rennie and Ian Foster in there, who I've not perhaps had the best years. I know, like, Australia have been better. They've come a long way. But I wouldn't say that you could particularly put that Australian team to say, well, he's clearly the coach of the year. They've not really done anything any special. And then Foster's kind of under a bit of pressure because the All Blacks have been massively underwhelming, even with victories. Yeah. Where are all the quality coaches? I mean, obviously, we know one's coming home to Wales. But... <laughs> well, he isn't at the minute, is he? <laughs> Poor lad. He's been kidnapped by, were they the Supreme Russian? What were they called? <laughs> the, the Supreme Council of the Russian Rugby Federation. 
I know that, but I can't remember that World Rugby is now called World Rugby. <laughs> what 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 accent is he gonna have when he comes back? That's that's the real one. Is he still gonna have that? It's that Russian be, accent. Yeah, it's gonna be cross between uh the Go Compare advert and Twin Town. <laughs> it was in that interview. It just just wanging back and forth between the two. What is what is the midpoint between Vladivostok and Swansea Upland? That's what the accent. Geographically, geographically, I'm imagining whatever that is. It's, that's what the accent should be. He'll sa- he'll sound more like the guy from the uh, meerkat from the compare the market adverts. I reckon. You reckon he'd be him? Yeah. It's, uh, I've got maps on. I'm trying to work out where he would be. <laughs> maybe, maybe, Pol- maybe Poland, possibly Lithuania. I don't even know if Lynn Jones is from Swansea Bay or not. I did look this up last week and I can't remember where he is. None of the facts it. get in the way of a good joke. <laughs> As I pointed out to Cardiff fans. <laughs> <laughs> he took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Lynn um, Jones is from Comavan, Neath. Not or Neath, close enough. Yeah. yeah close right, enough. right end of the valleys. Yeah, don't worry about it. I say, if you were MTV, you would have just said the valleys and done with it. It covers anywhere then from <laughs> fucking Rill right away down to fucking Narbeth. Anyway, it's it, is a, it's a- it is a core rugby region, though. Don't forget that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, they also picked a World 15 of the year. So we've got, I'm going to quickly run through it and then we'll, if there's any bollocks you want to call out, call out the bollocks. Uh, Wynn Jones, Malcolm Marks, Tyke Furlong, Marwa Torje, Eben Estabeth, Sia Khaleesi, Michael Lupa, Adi Surveyor, Dupont, Bowden Barrett, uh, Mapimpi, Karevi, Lacanyoam, Will Jordan and Stuart Hogg. Bollocks. <laughs> yeah, it was, was that Hogg, that, uh, that bollocks? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I mean, Hogg's been typically Hogg. Like when he plays well, he looks superb and he looks brilliant and he's very talented. But he's also had times where he hasn't looked like that. There's been times, especially you know the Lions tour, he he, he looked a bit dropsy in that one, and he he, he struggled to get things going. I, how he, surely he's not the best. He hasn't been the best. For, I don't want to say he's not the best fifteen in the world because obviously on his day, but he hasn't been the best fifteen, has he? No, not not, not in the I, last twelve months. I don't think. I would put maybe Jordy Barrett there, maybe as an option. Um, maybe even Willie Leroux. Um, Leroux, I, I thought would have been a, in with a, a shout. I thought that he's had a a particularly good year, and defensively, he's looked very good as well. Um, and the other option I would put in purely because of his name is. Uh, Melvin Jamine because he's called Melvin just for the sake of him being in there. I love it. Um, I don't, I, the one one thing that stood up for me was Barrett because I don't think Barrett is currently the best Barrett, best on form Barrett in his family, let alone the best 10 in New Zealand. Um, I, yeah, he's definitely the best 10 in the world. No, no, I, I, I don't get that one. Well, yeah. End, end of Mac is that all day long for me at the minute, but uh. I mean, I wanted Quaid Cooper in it just so Quaid Cooper could be in it because it would have just completed that perfect. As much as we take the piss as well, I mean, Sexton looks good when he, he's thing. I would say Sexton's probably had a better year than Barrett has. Yeah, I mean, but also I would say over the over the whole year when you include the, the, like the domestic competitions as well, I'd put Richie Moanga. 
Yeah, Moang has been. I, I, I don't say, and that's the other thing. Like Bowden Barrett is just about clinging on to yeah. that ten because yeah. Moang is putting pressure on him and to the point of they, they're trying him in different positions. They, you know, they, they're talking about moving to fullback. They're talking about, but well, just fucking dropping him. I, I don't see how you could then say, "Oh, well, he's clearly the best ten in the world." Any like as. The issue with anything like this, on again, I'm going to show my age here. It's a bit like the Brit Awards were in the 80s, where Annie Lennox would win Best British Female every year, irrespective of knocking something out. Because these things are put on on reputation a lot of it. You know, Bowden Barrett is a great player, but are, are we saying he's been one of the best 15 players in the world, and particularly in this position? No. Yeah. And then you get someone like Wynne Jones, and that is a good call, because Wynne Jones did have a great year internationally. Mm-hmm. You know, on a club level, you know, Tag Fillon is the best uh, prop in the world. But some of these, it are just, it's the Annie Lennox choice. Well, you know, Bolden Barrett is there because Bolden Barrett is there. It's the same as well, you know, at 15, and, you know, it's Stuart Hogg has had great years. This has not been a great year. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to be hunted down by uh, friends of ours, but I don't think Hogg's been really good for a number of years. I, I, it's good that you made that comparison as well because I think Will Jordan was presented as a award by Mick Fleetwood and Sam Fox. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hoggy was getting dropped by Exeter, wasn't he? Before yeah, the he end, was, before. Yeah. And so just, I, I, it, it was a lazy choice, in my opinion. Struggled to hold on to to the lion shirt, like I, I don't. But then they seem married to to Sam McCrevy being a contender for World Player of the Year. <sighs> He's not the best inside centre for me. Not just is, is Damien Dialende the best looking inside centre in the world. Like, he's had an incredible year. They look absolutely superb with him there. The way that he draws in defenders, the offloads that he gives, the way that he's been playing. I can't look past Dialende as being the best inside centre internationally at the moment. Can we record that and leave it keep on there? Because then when you mention in the future that like Hadley Park is the best 12 ever, then we can just keep replaying that clip you just said. He hasn't been playing internationally, is he? And I think it's international players on the award. So until he comes back from Japan, I'm going to have to accept that Damien Dialende is the, is the best player at the inside centre at the moment. Or better than Michael Collins. <laughs> was it was it Collins or was it Watkins today who almost had the brain fart for Sale to score the try? Oh, Collins just seemed to be moving at a speed that Colnick Glacial would be generous. <laughs> Tectonic, I think, is the speed he was moving at. Moving at the speed that made Dan Fish <laughs> look, look like Usain Bolt. Um, yeah, it was Collins for the um, just gently jogging back as, as Sale chased their own kick. Well, he was and if, he, out. if he had clipped his nails this morning before he turned out to play, he wouldn't have got that ball down. It was the slightest brush of the ball before Sale got it down, it would have been a, a complete balls up otherwise. He was very, very... And I'm a big fan of Collins. I think he's a, he's an excellent player. But that was... Um, yeah, that was mental. I, I, I just don't think... It, it's like a disservice to Karevi to have been in the chat for best player of the world because everyone starts talking him down. Like He is a, an yeah. incredible player, but he wasn't in that top five. No. Players of the year. Well, he's he's barely played realistically. Yeah, like, he's only played a handful of games. Like it's it's very strange. Like Gareth Edwards is the greatest nine ever, but he's not going to win the fucking award in twenty twenty one. Like I'm sure Karevi will have a great year next year. This this year wasn't it. Like 
it's not a it's not a slight on him to not consider. We're not saying he's not one of the best players in world rugby. What we're saying is he's not had one of the best years. And I think we'll, we'll see the same with sort of, otherwise, throw Semi Randrander in there. Like he's absolutely fucking brilliant player. I love watching him. He's absolutely electric. Every game that he plays makes him more excited. He's missed almost a full year through injury, but fuck it. If he's throwing players in based on reputation, let's chuck him in there. Just well, yeah. the player of the year. I mean, you are trying to get. Um... Quay Cooper at 10. And... <laughs> Quay Cooper made the difference to Australia, though. I think he was the, the missing piece of the puzzle for, for Australia. Not the only one. There are. There was a few things that they, they needed to change. because, they... But Cooper this year is what's given Australia I'm that extra edge. And by playing that... Quay... Rugby's come wrong to playing Quay Cooper's style again. Like, <laughs> Quay Cooper was playing at the time when everyone was like, wait, let's, let's not do mad shit. But since COVID, everyone's gone, no, let's embrace the mad shit. Let's do mad shit and see what happens. And quite often it comes off. And so Quade Cooper is built for rugby at the moment. Like This is the way he's always played the game. Even when people were telling him not to play the game this way, he was doing it. So I, I think he, he, he's been brilliant for me. And maybe it's a bit bit much to say that he should be a contender for uh, for the best ending. But uh, there's not been massively outstanding ones other than maybe Endermack. Although Endermack was... Woeful yesterday. He, he didn't really do anything at all. <laughs> he, he looked like he did not want to play in that game. And his shirt was so white at the end as well. It, it, it was all just DuPont. Everything that they did, DuPont was the only one who, who looked off interested. Everyone else. I think it was that first five, ten minutes where Cardiff really fucking got in their face. And it's the same as the Wales Springboks game. Like if they could have got some sort of parity up front, that could have been a very, very different scoreline. But I think that's interesting, the parity up front thing, isn't it? Because Cardiff struggled yesterday. I only watched about four minutes of it before we started doing this. Munster struggled yeah. uh, in the scrum against Wasp. And that's the difference, isn't it? That's the difference when you're drafting in academy players or guys from the Welsh Premiership to go into the tight five. That's where the real difference yeah. is because it's... It's technique, it's power, it's, you know, these are guys who are in the gym every day against guys who might get to the gym three times a week, and that's where the difference is. That's, it's, it's, sorry, go on. It's a different type of fitness as well, isn't it? Yeah. Being, being fit to be in the in the front row especially is very different than being fit anywhere else on the park. And so you, you only get it through that experience, through doing it and being, being there and doing it every day, practicing your scrimmaging, knowing a guy inside you as well, and and knowing what you know how they scrummage, what they like, and and just getting used to being together and fucking scrummaging together, it's very hard to just be parachuted in as one player. Never mind be parachuted in as a whole fucking front row, <laughs> just expected to take on the best team in Europe. Yeah, you know, you're playing for Aberavon one week, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've been playing Murray for an Ebervale, and then it's all of a sudden you're up against. Uh, and when the internationals did to lose, having 23, was it 21 internationals or it, something? It was something fucking mad. It was it was absolutely bizarre. I mean, you see, you turn up and you're scrummaging against like a fucking butcher from Travel, and then. <laughs> The week after, you're just scrummaging against an international tight dead. Like it's, it, it, it's bonkers for play it. But they they gave it a good go. I thought they actually did a, a decent job of it. To be fair to them, I thought they, considering the the conditions they came through. And then mm. when uh, Cowell was it Cowell that came yeah. off the bench, 
he, he looked pretty strong actually. He looked pretty decent. And I thought, oh, go on, get like well, they won they they won the penalty off the off one scrum and he got yeah, that that must have felt like a fucking win in itself to go up against that thing and win a penalty at, at the at the set piece. It's fucking brilliant. I've just seen the video, I think it was him who went back to Aberavon after the game and all his teammates are there. That was Jenkins, just, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was Jenkins, yeah, they're all just jumping on him and uh, you know, like it was a <laughs> well, massive moment for him. Who's who's starting tight dead and groundsman? <laughs> if that doesn't sum up what kind of team that was that went out, brilliant, fair play to the lad. Well, while we're talking um, awards, still, I know there was something that caught your eye this week that you were really happy about. Do you want to do you want to talk us through it? Um, we're talking the thing that I'm not really happy about. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I I sent a message to Steph. Um, on one day this week and I included the message I want to rant about this on Sunday the guys at the Daily Circle Wank Gazette or whatever the fuck it's called now are having a right laugh I like Matthew Southcombe but fuck me this is shit so basically on Wales Online they have created a current best Welsh 20 rugby players currently and ranked them 20 to 1 so are we doing this on form? Well, they haven't. Right, okay. So, yeah, that's that, That's where we get to it. So, It's Lee Jarvis on the list. <laughs> thank, thankfully not. Lee Jarvis but, one, Mark Ring two. Yeah. So, so I, I have obviously tasked you all of, of giving me your best five. So we'll go through them quickly first um, of who your top five are, and then we'll see if any of them come into the top 20 and agree with Matthew Southcombe, which I think no one really will. Um, so, Gav, <laughs> Gav, what's your top five? Uh, Ellis Jenkins. Tane Basham, Josh Adams, Ryan Elias, Will Rowland. Okay. Ian, yours? Uh, Adam Beard, Wynne Jones, Dan Bigger, Ellis Jenkins, Josh Adams. Steph? Well, I, um, I, I wrote three instead of five. I know I'm, <laughs> I'm racking my brain, so I'm going to quickly break down my other two. Um, I've gone... Win Jones, I've picked on form because I, I don't know any other way we could do it really. So obviously, like otherwise, like Tiprick would be on my list. But Win Jones, Josh Adams, Ellis Jenkins, Adam Beard, Liam Williams. Okay, so my five. I, I didn't put Ryan Elias in, but if I'm picking on form, I should have. Yeah, well, that's why I picked him. <laughs> so my my five was Adam Beard, Josh Adams, Ellis Jenkins, Thomas Williams, Liam Williams. That was my top five, right? I think How, any Welsh scrum half in it is a big call. <laughs> However, Matthew Southcombe has, has done a, a top 20, uh, which, for want of a better phrase, is fucking shit. Um, <laughs> so so at, 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 at 20, we have Ryan Elias, which, to be fair, like he's he would be in the top 20 because he's going to be in that squad, like 23-man squad. So I, I get that. Not, not, not an issue with that. Can I, I'm going to interject already. He right. should be a lot higher. Yeah, if we pick yeah. it on form, yeah, a lot higher. Ryan Elias should be a lot higher than that. I agree. And how, how long are you talking form though? Because four games isn't. He was. He wasn't good in the Six Nations. Look, this sounds very <laughs> much like a different Wales Online article, right? Where they went. This is a trouble. See, you have a good run of games, and you go up the World Rugby rankings. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's a, that's how form works. That's what form <laughs> is. So, but I, as well, we know I've argued the case on you that Ryan Elias has been given a bad rap for a long time for the fact our set piece was shit, and so everyone blamed Ryan Elias. And then we brought another hooker in, 
and our, our lineup was still shit. And then for some reason, people went to the winner. I was fucking Ryan Elias. And he, well, he's not even on the fucking park. Like, there's like, he hasn't come on yet. We, we, <laughs> it was so I, I think he's had a bad rap anyway, Ryan Elias, as well. We know, but yeah, I, he, I think time will tell with him, but 20 is harsh for me. Yeah, I mean. Um, 19... Some people will argue the opposite and say he shouldn't be in the fucking list at all. So there we go. That's opinions, isn't it? Uh, Nineteen, Ellis Jenkins. <laughs> yeah. So but... like... again, <laughs> I suppose I suppose you could apply Ian's logic to it as well, where you say like, "Oh, what are we looking at for form?" But really, no, I, I, I agree with one... it. I, I agree with that. But when you consider that when I rattle through the list, five of the top twenty are currently injured and have been injured for a while, <laughs> then this logic goes completely at the window because, like, rattling through the next few numbers: Wayne Wright at eighteen, Will Rowland's at seventeen, Tom Tompkins at sixteen, Jonathan Davis fifteen. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Let's slow this motherfucker down a minute. <laughs> Tom, Tom Francis fourteen. Like, you, you look at those numbers and you go, all of those probably on form currently would be in the top twenty. Well, no, apart I'm... from apart from one gentleman who wouldn't be in the top. 85 players called Nick in my list. <laughs> but uh... Tompkins, right? I don't, for all it's worth, I think there's the makings of a very good player there. Mm-hmm. I think Tompkins will become a very good player for us. It's, I don't think he quite fits what we want at the moment. No. And he's been he's been pushed from 12 to 13 and back to 12, and they 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 fucked him about basically in a system where it's not particularly settled at the moment anyway because no. we've had one tournament where we haven't experimented like all the other games seem to be ah fuck it let's just see what happens they don't know I'm what fully to, in support of they don't know what to do with him either he's a kind yeah. of player so what the hell do you do with that but would you say he hasn't hit any kind of form at the moment that suggests he's no. at top I mean realistically we've got George North to come back in here for no picking players Alaholo looks absolutely superb. I, I still, I still like Johnny Williams, but not everyone will. I mean, Foxy's on our list, which are we again begs the question of are we picking on form because he hasn't really found his form yet since he's come back from injury. Oh. I, I don't doubt that. Which injury? Been, yeah, from, <laughs> from his injuries. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're clearly not picking on form because then the next four, so from. Um, thirteen down to ten. Yeah, I don't think, apart from a few minutes, I feel like I'm talking to Mark Goodyear. I know. <laughs> thirteen to ten. I don't think. I, mean, I think one of these players has played a little bit in the summer, maybe two. So you've got Navidi at, at thirteen. Yeah. Twelve is Toby. Right. Eleven is Tips. Ten yeah. is jo- ten is George North. None oh of which realistically have on. really I played rugby since, since April. So how can they be the best players in Wales currently if they haven't played really between them since April? Maybe he's going on the fact that Navidi's in Dubai, <laughs> throw, <laughs> throwing up pictures of his holiday while everyone, all his mates are on lockdown. It's just Annie Lennox again. It's Annie Lennox. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, I. Can I fit that into the title as well? <laughs> it, just, just call it It's Annie Lennox again. It's Annie Lennox again. Well, I, I'm still liking uh, Affinity and all that jazz. Uh, um, then then quite rightly, Wyn Jones at nine. Tane Basham at eight. You say quite rightly Wyn Jones at nine. No, I mean... Like, again, in, if you're picking in, on in, form... 
being in like the top 10. I'm going yeah, like yeah, he needs yeah. to okay, be in there. Um, s- seven, Ken Owens. <laughs> right, see, this is where it's the juxtaposition of Ken Owens and Tane Basham that completely shows what a fucking mental list this is. Because Tane Basham hasn't played many games for Wales yet. Correct. Yeah. The games he's played, he's looked very good. Yeah. Ken Owens has played a lot of games for Wales and been good, but has missed a lot of the year. Yeah. So the fact that they're next to each other on a list of best players means I haven't got a fucking clue what's going on now. So six, Dan Bigger. Right. Five, Liam Williams. Yeah. Four, Adam Wynne Jones. <laughs> at four. Right. Okay. Adam, Be- Adam Beard at three. But I can't see if you're picking on form or ability any way that Alan Wynne Jones can be four. Oh. <laughs> I know. Adam Beard at three. He's either higher or lower than four. Adam Beard at three. Right. Obviously, then, not, notoriously not as good as Alan Jones. No. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then two is Louis Samet and one is Josh Adams. Ah. What, again, he's a good lad with loads of ability and he's faster than the fucking any. Like, imagine him up against fucking Dan Fish in a foot race. But. <laughs> <laughs> is Louis Rees Zamet the second best player in the whole of Welsh rugby at the moment? I don't, I don't even think he's the second best winger in Welsh rugby on form no. at the minute. And clearly, no. my you know my love for Jonah Holmes is clear <laughs> and well documented. But if you're picking someone on form at the minute, Jonah Holmes is tearing up uh, in a very poor Dragons team, and Louis Rees Zamet hasn't looked that good for Gloucester or for Wales in the no. last runouts. You get the feeling that Louis Rees-Armit as well is going to become what Shane Williams was for us for a long time, where when things are going to shit and we don't really know what to do, he's someone who can do something a bit magic mm. and pull a try out of a fucking out of his ass, and then suddenly we win a game that we had no right to win in. Mm-hmm. Which is, don't get me wrong, is like a fantastic asset to have. But I just I, I can't get my head around this list and I was being put together, I was being compiled. Well, that, that's why I sent it to you. I was what? like, this this is it. I was I was lying in the bath and I was spoke I would had a shit day at work. I need the bath <laughs> to relax. And I read this, I was like, I'm I got I, like I've been in the bath about two minutes and I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't it's not point, I'm not gonna be able <laughs> to relax. At least relax in back I'm, ever I'm just gonna get out. I'm just gonna get out. So <laughs> just, just sorry, just coming back to uh, see, I disagree. I don't think Louis Resamit will become like Shane Williams, because as dumb as Shane Williams is, Shane Williams had incredible rugby IQ. Yes. I think Josh Adams is more likely to become like Shane in that you give it to Josh Adams and he is also dumb, but he has an amazing rugby IQ. I think Louis Rizamit is dumb and he's got quite poor. All (laughs) all he knows how to do is run. Louis Rizamit reminds me of Michael Owen. I think his hamstring will go and then that will be his rugby career. Mm-hmm. But that's why I mean, of just pulling out the trifle. No, I'm not saying he's because because Shane for all the shit that he got was a genuinely brilliant player. You mean more like he's going to be the nation sweetheart for yeah, a, and he's for gonna, a short while. He's going to be the one that when everyone's fucking nervous of where something's going to come from, you always think oh, Louis something might pull something out there. Go something to Louis. Louis. Yeah, well, exactly that. Exactly that. The problem is international teams from play like that. And I, for the last five, well, eight years, a guy I play rugby with, Murray. Is the difference between us winning and losing. If he's there, we can win. If he's not there, we've got no one who can run, basically. 
and that's fine at the 11, you know, 11, 12 tier of English rugby. Shouldn't be happening at the international rugby. So they always like, well, just give it to everybody who'll run through everyone. You know, it's not going to happen. But Gav, we've got groundsmen playing against Toulouse and doing quite well at the minute. So who knows where rugby's going from now? Everything we thought we know is gone. Don't you start saying things like that because idiots on Twitter think that we should be sending all our props to the Welsh Premiership. I feel like yesterday proved that that is a fucking stupid idea. Idiots on Twitter, free time British lion Graham Price also said the same thing as well. I was going to say, you say idiots on Twitter, I say people who are genuinely part of Welsh coaching setups. <laughs> like these are people who are coaching other players who genuinely hold that as an opinion. It's not that's not even a joke. Like, I say a lot of things either on you or on Twitter that they're just a joke to fucking. Wind people up or to get a laugh. These people are saying this in all seriousness. They're not even, there's not even an end of irony in thinking that all these props should play against fucking. I thought my Narbath is in my head today, but fucking Narbath thirds first. I'm just fucking, because oh, that's how you learn how to scrummage that is coming up against a 50 year old fucking bloke who used to be a fucking plumber. Like, it. It's bullshit. Like, how you learn is by having a good fucking set-piece coach, a good forwards coach, and then being surrounded by equally good players. And developing technical ability, surrounded by people who can hone that technical ability. And then then competing against players with a a decent technical ability so you can really test yourself. Yeah. But the thing with any list, all lists are nonsense. If there's a list of the top 150, whatever, it's all nonsense. Because even if you go out and you say, right, I'm going to do this scientifically, you can't do it scientifically. Yeah. There's no scientific thing. I foolishly decided to listen to the Rolling Stone 500 greatest albums of all time list this year. And there's stuff on it. Like there's a Kanye West album at 17, and you're thinking, hang on a second. And, you know, that that's essentially the same as Ken Adams being at six, isn't it? Or Louis Rizamid being at two. It's there to appear a bit more, oh, yeah, you know, we're a bit more modern, we're a bit more on it. Louis Rizamid is a perfectly good player. He is not the second best player in Wales. And, and that's and, not and to put him down. I'm not, no. you know, if Louis Rizamid is starting, I'm not like, oh, fuck's sake, Louis Rizamid's playing. I'm, you know, I'm happy for him to, to well, play. He's, 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 a top, he's a top winger and he will get better. Or like Ian said, he'll do a hamstring and he'll be at this level roughly. The issue is, and I think this is a wider issue, and I understand all these kind of fury with it. Welsh rugby at the minute doesn't know what it's doing as, as a whole, as a culture, as a setup, uh, as a team. It, it doesn't really know what it's doing. It doesn't know what it's for anymore. It doesn't really know how to drive itself. It's just vague and motionless and going around in circles. Well, that's a cheery note. I can't end on that. <laughs> so, the only, and, thing, go on. the only thing I was going to add to it was the fact that then about 15 minutes after sending that original message to Steph, I then replied with, in capital letters, no fucking Thomas. Um, because the, and then I've actually just checked it again. There's no scrum half in that list at all. I think that's right. I'm with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that, mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think at the moment... There's no scrum off between these. If I had to put a scrum off now, I'd probably got Kieran Hardy, if I'm honest. If I had to put him in a top 20, I think Kieran Hardy's got all the nuts and bolts here. Thomas looks fucking fantastic one week, and then other weeks I'm like, what, what, what the fuck are you doing? There was a couple yesterday. He kicked the ball 
through um through yesterday for no apparent reason. Yeah, the lights have just got off around me. In a non-visual podcast, we all want to wish this was now a visual podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I am still here. That's um, also called the horror pod today. Yeah, just all in darkness <laughs> with just with my face looming forward. But I don't think there should be any, but like you said, like there's no scientific way. So no. it, it, this all just becomes opinion, and opinions are like assholes. As a saying goes, you know, everybody's got one. Some of them might turn up on your Twitter DMs. I like, I broke mine yesterday, but uh... <laughs> do you want to? Shall we? Shall we end on that? Or do you want to tell us exactly what happened to your ass? <laughs> and I, I just got my. Uh, body position quite badly wrong in the scrum and the scrum folded up and I just felt something ping in my lower lower back and then for the last 20 minutes of the game I, I literally couldn't feel anything below my waist to uh, to my thighs essentially it was, it was quite painful what you need to do is go back and scrummage in the lower levels of Welsh rugby, <laughs> and then you'll be good enough to take on anyone in the world. Well, what I need to do is retire about 10 years ago, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's the opposite way now. People don't go into retirement anymore. You come out to retirement now. Well, this is the way the game's going. It's all about comebacks. You know, Quay Cooper, Dan Fish, all the big names of, of world rugby are now coming. Out of retirement. I've just had an apology through a window for turning the light off because I forgot how you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I like Matt's outcome, but yeah, I, I don't. His articles recently have been terrible. I have a problem with the, the name of that because it's 20 best players in Wales right now, isn't it? Yeah. And half of them don't even play in fucking Wales. Yeah. So <laughs> fuck off with that. But did you see, I think it was about two weeks ago now, he set the world alight with the when he did the real world rugby rankings. Yeah, that that was. I what it actually was was the exact opposite of that. It, it was the real world rugby rankings. Uh, the world rugby rankings. They're the real ones by the very definition of the word real. <laughs> it was just an excuse to push Wales up two extra places. Well, that was the thing as well. If they were going to use it as some sort of, well, actually, let's do an alternative rankings and we'll move Wales up and show the things and all that is bad. We'll move up two places. Like, what was that? They could have hung their app on as well. They've just won. They've just won a Six Nations. They were within seconds of, mm. of it being a grand, grand slam. Like, two wins in the autumn, which realistically could have been three, Barford, South Africa. They they could have hung their app on Wales being higher. It mm. wouldn't have been right, but they could have done it. And they went, nah, two places. <laughs> but, like, I, I know I'm not making a segue for you early, but like this p- p- goes into like perfectly what my, one of my wankers in the week is going to be. Oh, I forgot be- about that. Because like, <laughs> because I, 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 I was going to say like the Matthew for writing that, but I, I, like, I don't think it's his fault. The, like the wankers of the week are the people that believe the shit that they write. Like not the people that actually write the shit, just the people who actually go along with it and go, "Oh yeah, this is great." Like I agree with this, and and take it as though whatever's written on there or other sites that are just there for clickbait, I guess, and take it all as truthful when it's just all fucking drivel and, and just there to sell copies or to get viewers and readers and stuff. But um, yeah, it's just it's all bollocks, isn't it? At the end of the day, it it a lot of what. Wales Online put out, despite certain journalists denying that it's the case, is just for you to click the fucking article. Yeah, yeah. And you've fallen up, line and sinker for it. You click the article. Now we're talking about the article. 
so people, other people will click the fucking article. But you that's know, it's you know, that job is designed to do. There is journalism at the moment. You know, yeah. a, f- a friend of mine's a, a music journalist, and we were talking about, it and he said, you know, the kind of pieces he used to write back in the eighties and nineties, long detail bits, don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I the, know with Wales Online, with rugby writers and sports writers, basically they were told that they because they've got to get their clicks up, they would knock out like four really quick pieces of shit articles with headlines that they knew people would click to justify writing an article they actually wanted to write. So they, they'd write for the top 20 players in Wales right now, the 10 reasons you should turn up to watch Wales at the stadium this week. Is the roof open or closed? Because you can copy and paste the last article you wrote that was exactly the fucking same and just change a couple of bits. And then you can write the piece you want to write, an interview with a player or, you know, a, a more in-depth actual journalism where you do a little bit of investigation before you report. And so it's a sad way that it's going. But I'm, you know, I haven't said on the podcast for a while, I blame capitalism. It's all capitalism. If it wasn't for capitalism, we'd have fucking articles that were worth reading. But instead, you need clicks because you're waiting on sponsorship to fucking fund the people that are writing the articles in the first place. I blame the internet rather than capitalism. It's yeah. the period capitalism connected to the internet. If we didn't have the internet, you'd still have decent journalism. That's my uh, throwaway comment. Mind you, I did read a really good article about competitive Excel today. So, you know, it's... Uh... <laughs> I mean, wasn't Andy Howell around in the time of print media? Well, yeah, funny but you he wasn't that, very good then. So I, you know. <laughs> I just made that comment. I just made that comment about the fact that I wasn't going to blame the... the um, the journalists themselves because it's the idiots are reading and then I just remembered my little spat with Andy Howell on Twitter this week myself so he might actually be one of my wankers a week instead uh, I do like that Gav started the, the podcast by saying that he's a bit out of date by talking about the IRB and then ended it by saying ah <laughs> fucking internet's fault <laughs> <laughs> bloody modern technology <laughs> right shall we move on to our winners and wankers for this weekend well being as you're itching to do it give us a give us a wanker for this week uh, Andy Howell um, so he, he <laughs> do you want to do you want to think about it for a bit first? No, no. He tweeted. Um, it was probably before the last podcast, but I wasn't on. Um, a response to Matthew Morgan's tweet um, that he put out in regards, obviously, mental health and stuff. And Andy Howell put Matthew Morgan clearly doesn't like the URC, the comp which provides most of his wages. Having an unhappy player on their books is neither good for him or Cardiff. Perhaps parting of ways would be best for both parties. So I took it upon myself to reply. Uh, maybe you should fly off to South right. Africa, get stuck in a hotel, potentially not be home for two to three weeks, struggle to deal with it, and then see what your opinion is. However, I have a feeling your tweet was clickbait, just like everything else on that shocking news site. Um, but to be fair, he's not part of that shocking news site anymore because he wasn't even good enough to write for Wales Online. So Yeah, and then I, and after set tweeting that, I then did check his profile and did see that it said former, so then I realised why. Um, but I did appreciate the fact that I got a few people liking it, some some of which were um, friends of ours, some of which were also rugby players that we might have once still with, um, and other people associated with Cardiff, so yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, it was it was at the bollocks. I think we did touch on it last week, I think we did talk about it last week, because I replied to him as well. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute shitloads of a tweet to say that he should be dropped from his employers because he doesn't like the competition they compete in. Where and clearly it is it's a, a rant of a frustrated man looking mm-hmm. for someone to, to help him out and looking for someone to blame. Uh, as rightly you would. He's got a, a 
a pregnant partner at home. He's got a young kid. He's stuck in a hotel in a country that he doesn't know particularly well. While a fucking while he's being told that a virus is fucking raging around him that has killed fucking millions of people in the world over already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course he's had a little fucking rant on Twitter. Yeah. I have rants about fucking all sorts of shit on Twitter. <laughs> I had a rant. I had a rant on Twitter about Andy Owl and fucking Wales Online pinned it in one of their stories, <laughs> where I called him a. In fact, the perfect week to have you on. It was because he didn't know Jonah Holmes's fucking name or who he was. And I was like, well, you're meant to be a journalist. Do some fucking investigation and find out because he'd scored tries at Twickenham and was fucking man of the match in that game. He was well, he'd running tries all for Leicester the year before. He didn't need that much. Use fucking Google, Andy. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take that as a wonker of the week. He's an absolute toss. It might not have been this week, but it can be wonker of the week most weeks for me. I like, I don't like calling people out and thing, but I think it's an absolute shithouse move to say about a region should look at the, the contract they've got with a player because he's angry at being stuck in another country. Mm-hmm. Prick. Um, Gav, you're, you're a wanker. Yeah, mine won't be as serious as yours. You'll have to forgive me. Mine is the stadium designers at Begler Bordeaux. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the, uh, the footage of uh, <laughs> Harry Potter yesterday, who's been given a little shab jumps over the advertising hoardings into an eight-foot concrete gap. Like, you know, (laughs) come on, boys. You know, try to make sure that doesn't happen because you do regularly go over advertising hoardings in rugby games. You shouldn't be falling into, you know, concrete trenches with an eight-foot drop. And the look of shock on some of the fans, you know, know, I I was a bit concerned for him. And then the worst thing as well, all the rugby journalists are saying, oh, Harry Potter in a disappearing trick. So yeah. not only did they almost kill someone, the designers, they also brought a terrible Harry Potter punch. So that's my slightly less serious uh, one for that. That poor I mean, lad. Any <laughs> opportunity they've got to do that Harry Potter talk, like it was done to death beforehand. Oh. But like I said, when someone's potentially, like he could have had a very serious injury. Yeah, that was not was the time, cool. lads. Save the fucking jokes. <laughs> that's a proper fall. You know, he was lucky there. Uh, Ian, you're, you're... Of the week, uh, the four men Montpellier players who all got stepped by Hog on the five meter oh. line. <laughs> Fucking hell, come on, people! Well, he's the best 15 in the world, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> You've had me there, fair play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I've never seen anything Well, they, they're all running in sync and get yeah. flat footed in sync. And you're like, Boys, spread the line. Like, one of you go. <laughs> if we spread the line here, that would have been a really good defensive line to have, but you all just run and completely overrun it. It was bizarre. I've, I don't think I've ever seen that before outside of a, like, 1930s silent film. It was... It was comical. It, it was surreal. It, it was very Keystone Cops-esque. Uh, my wankers for this week are uh, whichever players were whooping for Toulouse during the Cardiff game when they won a penalty. And you go like, lads, you're, you're the European champions at the minute. And this lad was marking out white lines on a pitch last week <laughs> because he's a fucking groundsman at Abraven. I think maybe like just tone it down a bit. Don't get so excited that you've just won a technical penalty against what is essentially a team that was thrown together at the last fucking minute. So the replacement thing that Tavi probably is absolutely bang on. Like, like I love that. But I, for me, like, I hate the old fucking whooping and cheering 
bullshit that goes with it anyway. I said before, like I had a problem with Maro Tordre for a while until he started doing interviews off the pitch and he actually is a really nice guy. Because on the pitch, he seems like a bit of a dick when he used to clap and whoop. I fucking hate it. But the clap and whoop, fucking teenagers and plumbers or whatever the fuck they are that have been called in to play this game against you and have given you a good... I think it goes to show how much pressure they were under. But you just come across as a bit of a twat. There's, there's a time and a place. If you win a turnover on the try line, yeah, whoop and holler. If you're winning a fucking scrum penalty against part-timers <laughs> on the halfway line against the head. The second up. So it wasn't even part-timers. It was the replacement part-timers. Like it wasn't even first choice part-timers. <laughs> One of them was a 19 year old who'd come from Cardiff Met. Like, come on boys. Like, you're meant to be the best team in Europe. You you should be better than this. Um, our winners for this week, then. Um, so, I've got one I've used before because I think the clip from last week is fucking hilarious. And it's Luke Pierce basically sticking two fingers up to Billy Wilpona going, no, fuck you, back end. No, and again, off he goes then. I just think it's fucking incredible. Um, but I don't know if you mentioned it I don't know if you mentioned it on the pod last week when I sent it to you about what my winner would have been because I haven't listened to the full pod yet. Um, I don't know if I did either. I don't know the text. Recently, um, I don't know if anyone, I didn't even know this story myself. Um, former Italy prop Andrea Lotticciolo launches an appeal to find the baby he helped bring to the world in 1995 when he volunteered at the Red Cross in Sicily. So I just think, like, he, I don't even know if it happened. I don't know if they know what the outcome was, but I haven't followed it up. But I just think the fact he's, like, 26 years later, whatever it is, has gone back on and gone to try and find to see if he can be reunited with that baby. I think it just touched, shows a touch of class. So, yeah, that was my winner of the week. And I love Lotichiro as well. I, I, there's something about him, and not just his facially, there's something about him that just me, I just love um, I forgot you had sent me that. I don't think I did. I don't think I did um, mention it last week. But it's a great story. I really hope we do have to follow up. We do. I, I'm expecting you to come on with some information for me next week. That I'm giving you homework. Um, <laughs> but it's a fantastic story. If he does find him, that that would be absolutely superb. And like I said, just seemingly like one of the the characters of the game as well. I would. I would love. Yeah, next week then we will we'll find out. We'll find out more for next week as, as to whether he's mm-hmm. got any further along. Uh Gav, your winner. Uh I think uh, my winner is uh Johnny Gray for scoring a hat trick from second row. I'm not a fan of his club, but you know, as a second rower, I've got to be impressed with uh, second row who scores a hat trick in a European game. Yeah, it's a good show. Let's say it's a shame it's for accident, but still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't have win them all, can you? Ian, your your winner. Uh, Ollie Robinson. I thought uh, he was clearly putting himself in the shop window because <laughs> his contract's <laughs> about to come up in the summer, and uh, I thought he played really well. Well, Wally wants to drop in for Nick Williams. So, <laughs> he did well, have a good. I mean, you always knew, regardless of how many players Cardiff had out, they'd be able to pick a full strength fucking back row that would start for any other team because they've got so many back row players. They, they took 15 with them and they'll manage to pick a fucking four that were good enough to play in European competitions. Um, I wanted to talk yeah, to Mama Monatica. <laughs> <laughs> 
They both wear blue scrum caps. It was camera. Paul Tico would have been a good one to call in the second yeah. row. I would have liked to see Paul Tico have great. a great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my winner for this week. I'm just going for for Cardiff as a whole. Every one of those players that turned out out there, like the old heads, stepped up. Ellis played superbly well. Willis Alaholo played well. Josh Adams, you know, the big names essentially. They all had good games. I'm being attacked by a cat. Um, this has been a bizarre podcast. For me. <laughs> I mean, I sat in the dark for ten minutes and I'm being attacked by a cat. Um, all our big games, they all stepped up and, and did exactly what you'd want them to do. It was great to see some players come out of, essentially out of, but Tavi and, and Dan Fish playing in there. But those boys who stepped up from playing club rugby, premiership or, or even lower and turned out against, like I said, the, the European champions and put in a performance the way they did. And the scoreline was really harsh and they didn't deserve to lose by that much. The, the game was much closer than that scoreline suggests. So it was absolutely superb. And I said last week, I'm not going to take the piss out of Cardiff and I'm not going to take the piss again this week because it, it's superb. And that, I, I almost, it, it's rugby values for some people. It's all an hashtag rugby values. That's what the game's all about, stepping up into that moment. Um, but no, it, it, it was brilliant. It was superb. So they're my, my winners for this week. And on that note, we'll end it there. So... Thanks for joining me. As a, I was going to say, it's always well, but we didn't turn up last week. So you just thanks for turning up this week. Uh, last week was an issue, really, because last week I couldn't make one day and you couldn't make the other. Forget, uh, and I had to pull out last minute for, for the one day that I could make. Insert uh, Kenneth Giff. Thanks to Gav, who, uh, if we're picking on form now as it comes to co presenters, obviously he's, he's, he's better on form than you are at the moment. He's done yeah. two in a row at least. That's right, yeah. So, uh, in my Matt Southcombe's top 20 guests and hosts. <laughs> He's moving further up. Uh, thanks, Ian, for joining us. Pod David, when I didn't do a, I didn't do a quick fire questions. We'll, we'll do it next time you're on. Thanks and, for having me, gents. Oh, it's been a joy. And thanks to you for listening. Bye now. You've been listening to Rock and Roll. If you've stuck with us this far, leave us a review. Follow us, not just you, but on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And drop us a message. You're a pretty friendly bunch. It'll be great to hear from you no matter what you want to say. And we'll see you next time. Thanks very much for listening. Bye for now. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.